Hello again, Varun here, and welcome back to the Girls Chase podcast. Today I chat with Nick, a Girls Chase member also known by the handle Pretty Decent on the boards. Nick incidentally discovered Girls Chase around the same time I did three years ago, but he started his journey upon moving to Australia knowing absolutely nothing. Young, virgin, and had not even kissed a girl in his life. Today, three years later, he's regularly bringing new women into his life, quickly and sexually. Though he has many insights from his journey, I became most intrigued with his approach to sexual tension, a key part of his style and something every experienced man understands and applies. We cover what sexual tension is, how to use it, what to do and what not to do to attract women into our lives. Nick, hello. Hi, Varun. How's everything going today? Pretty slow, man. How about yourself? Pretty chill. <laughs> it's pretty early over <laughs> here compared to where you are, but that's awesome. Hmm. So, how did you learn about Girls Chase and really started getting involved on the boards, you know, going through its evolution into the state it is now and where you are now in your journey? Hmm. Okay. Um, well, I discovered Girls Chase in 2012, towards the end of the year where I, I hadn't really had any experience socializing in general. So I was looking for a way just to talk to people. I was looking for a way to talk to women as well. And I'm not really sure what I typed into Google to find Girls Chase, but it came up and I just read every single article that was there at the time, which is much smaller than it is now, if you remember. Right. And just decided that, you know, this is a part of my life that needed to be handled and that it is actually a part of life that can be handled. So it took me about five months. And after I got over the approach anxiety, I, I started approaching. Um, it took me a few months to get anything close to results. I would say it took me about 10 months to get laid. Oh, so 10 months from the moment that you discover the website, when you really yeah. started making this a priority in your life, to when you had success, I guess, with your goal, which was to have sex. Yeah, the very yeah. First time. Yeah. Wow, incredible. Ten months. So quite some dedication. And you know, what really brought about that focus in your life? Like, how did you realize that this is something that you should be focusing on, or that this is something that you can actually learn and and you know get better with, get yeah. better at? Yeah. Well, I had been like a student that really focused on schoolwork, and I and I decided, you know, I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm gonna go to some really really big school and I spent like 12 hours a day going over like schoolwork but I I didn't have any friends I didn't have women in my life and I just wanted a girlfriend and I just decided that you know it wasn't worth being lonely anymore this is a part of life that absolutely has to be handled interesting so you actually were like kind of isolated and kind of a social outsider yeah I mean starting out yeah starting out with like little experience with socializing with people in general I'd say yeah totally Oh, wow. And then how did that, you know, how did that evolve over your time with Girls Chase? Like, where did, where did it really start? Where did you really start seeing the possibility of this stuff? It was really slow. It was really slow progress at first. And I'd say I started after I lost my virginity at that 10 month mark. It was about another three or four months. And then I got laid again. And then wow. it was about every month after that, I started to get laid. And and then it started becoming more frequent. And there's been breaks in between. But right. for the most part, it's been a linear curve. 
Interesting. Up to the point now, three years later, you feel like it's a very routine thing that you can go out and, you know, you basically source new dates and new relationships and new women for yourself pretty often. Mm. I'd like to think so, at least. But That's cool. I mean, we all have our ups and downs, right? But that's mm. the gist is it seems that you started from having absolutely nothing and now you're living a fairly abundant lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So... You know, what are some sticking points that you really had to go through to get to where you are today in your journey? I went through pretty much just about every sticking point. <laughs> well, that's incredible. What is that, you know, specifics I'm sure we have to talk about? Yeah, well, you know, first it was the approach anxiety. Then it was actually opening girls in a way that was... Because I had really long hair. I looked, I, looked like, I looked like a hippie. I had no fashion sense. Okay. And so that was the first part was just getting the fundamentals down. Then it was... Then it was opening. Then it was actually getting girls to hook. Then it was like mm -hmm. working on sexual tension. And I sort of got to the point where I got through all of that. And then I was able to start getting results. But because of the way that I was mismanaging sexual tension, it always put an upper ceiling on mm -hmm. both the consistency and the quality of girls that I was getting. Okay. Which is really why I wanted to talk about that today. Yeah. Sexual tension, of course, is the the bulk of our podcast today and we're going to talk about how nick has learned about it in his experience as what and you know what good and bad sexual tension really is and what the specifics are of how sexual tension plays into the seduction dynamic between men and women as it plays out and you'd say it took you probably close to a year or longer than a year to really get comfortable with the idea of sexual tension right and using that yeah, I'd say it was actually, it took me about two and a half years. Wow. <laughs> Maybe, I'd say up until about four or five months ago, I was mismanaging sexual tension. But, you know. Like, what does it mean to actually mismanage sexual tension? I know you've talked a bit about, to me personally, about what good sexual tension is and what bad sexual tension is. Like, why don't yeah. we start with, you know, discussing what bad sexual tension is and what that looks like and how guys set that up yeah so bad tension is very uncomfortable and it's fairly serious and it feels okay. as though you don't really connect with each other on any deeper level and it almost doesn't even have to do with your connection building skills in general it has to do with breaking the ice and reducing the tension so this pops up first when you're approaching a girl on the street and second, when you, when you meet the girl for the date, there's a buildup of what I'd call bad tension. Good tension is, is sexual tension. So it's arousal and anticipation. And the more you have of that, the better your date's going to be. Interesting. So in a way, we're, we're talking about the relationship between a girl's comfort level with you and the heightened sexuality that she feels within herself. Absolutely. And kind of managing the two of those. Absolutely. So would you say that most guys then out there or the typical man focuses on the comfort part and gets that wrong? Like maybe a sexual tension by not ensuring that she's comfortable before he delivers or starts to create that. Yeah, I've seen it in myself and I've seen it in the boards. I've seen it in people in real life that they discover sexual tension. But I think when they hear the word tension, they think of sometimes uncomfortability and they really right. try and stress uncomfortability. Like, what are some examples you could think of? Purposely creating some distance between you and the girl. I know for myself, it had to do a lot with, like, not really opening up. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, that's one way to get the girl comfortable is to open up. But it was trying to make sure that every single moment was sexually tense. It was trying to make sure that there was not much laughing involved in the day. And those few things ended up as my biggest sticking point, which is LMR. And I think, you know, and you've seen as well, like, that is the biggest sticking point that people on the boards have, is last minute resistance. Yeah, I know Chase has an article called The Last 5%, which, you know, it really talks about the end game and how that's one of the most difficult times and probably the most uncertain time as to whether a date or a romantic relationship would really consummate. You know, you, you never really know what's going to happen at the very end sometimes. And it's, yeah. But the way you, you see it, better you set up the sexual tension earlier in the date and the more comfortable she is with you, then LMR basically goes away. Yeah, and in one of those similar articles, like you mentioned, Chase had sort of laid out seven reasons why like girls will give you LMR and a few of the top ones are she's boyfriend zoned you. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough sexual tension, stuff like that. And I think especially those top two are the ones that most guys think the problem is when they get last minute resistance. They're like, I didn't disqualify myself enough. Or they're like, I didn't have enough sexual tension. But I think the actual problem some of the time, and maybe even half the time, especially with intermediates, is not building that comfort. Interesting. And I noticed that sometimes... A lot of guys try to make that comfort happen, not by focusing on, on the tension aspect of it or like making the date sexual, but by instead kind of making her laugh a lot. You know, you hear that a lot in when you talk to men and women about dating, you know, like yeah. all you have to do is make her laugh on the date or that's all that she says to, I just want to make, yeah. you know, want a date where I can laugh. How does that factor into sexual tension and, you know, actually making the relationship move forward between you two? That's a really, really good point. Yeah, and what I had said was basically guys who are not dispelling enough bad tension. And what you're talking about is guys who dispel all the bad tension and then start destroying the good tension as well. And that has to do with knowing when she's comfortable and moving on at that point. Starting to build good sexual tension. Because once she's comfortable, she's comfortable for the most part. Like There's not a whole lot of work that you need to do to make her more comfortable. Right. So part of the skill, part of the reason that men need to polarize in this aspect is to figure out when is she comfortable and then move into the next part of the interaction. Or focus on having her comfortable before you move on into the exactly. sexual tension. And what does it look like? What does it feel like when she is truly comfortable with you? Like what will she be doing? What are some cues that we can tap into or look out totally. for? So she'll be a bit more verbose. So she'll talk a bit more. She'll make eye contact with you more. Her body language will be open. She'll generally be more present in the conversation. And that's a stark contrast between when there's bad tension and you, know, you two are sitting there awkwardly uncomfortable. <laughs> so there's like running out of things to talk about or the... The flow just isn't there. Yeah, yeah. So the flow isn't there. Or a date where both of you are laughing like crazy. Is that bad sexual tension in your mind? It's not ideal. I mean, here's the thing, is that there's parts of the dates where you want to be connecting really, really heavily. And sometimes that might involve some laughing. But for the most part, you want to have mostly connection and then parts in between that that are light. Mm -hmm. So banter, light connecting... And that's where you put in, you know, the sexual frames. Right. So in terms of how much laughing there actually is, it, 
Not a whole heck of a lot, man, to be honest. Right. And you're making a distinction here also between repartee and rapport, right? So you want to you yeah. want to really connect and deep dive with the girl and like really build that emotional relationship that you have together. But at yeah. the same time also throw in the raunchy like sexual humor and really raise attention when you're focusing on the repartee. It's really important. Yeah. And this playfulness, you know, how as men, how do we use this to actually get with the girl to actually you know start the relationship cool yeah so playfulness is really good because it gets rid of this uncomfortable tension so playfulness is essentially it's it can be humor it makes her laugh a little bit and every time somebody right. laughs there's a little bit of tension that's released in terms of using this strategically it has two times where it's it's really important that you use it playfulness should be used when you first meet the girl like when you're approaching her on the street or wherever. And it should also be used in the first couple minutes of the day. Okay. Yeah. Like in what sense? Just to make her build a comfort level with you? Exactly. Because she's so nervous at the time? Exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So playfulness can be any number of different ways. It can be, you can be witty, you can be teasing, you can be, you know... Uh, it's like those things. Or you can make like questions that are normal and make them sort of silly. So like one that I use a lot is instead of saying, so what's your favorite food? I might say, name your top two favorite foods okay. or something like that. It's just a somewhat silly take on the questions that normal people ask and making them a bit more fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. And what are the kinds of like responses you get that are that show you the difference between good tension and bad tension you know i know we spoke into this a little bit already mm. just a few minutes ago i really want to try to understand like how or what using good tension properly looks like you know yeah okay cool so basic versus nervous yeah so if i understand your question right i might just explain it like this is you meet the girl for the date, right? Let's say, let's talk about the date because I think that's really applicable to a lot of guys' seduction career. Uh, you meet the girl and you have a bit of humor and there's some light, deep diving and banter, you know, repartee. And you have that while you walk to the bar or wherever it is that you're going. And you continue that until you can tell that she's settled a little bit into her skin where, you know, she's openly asking you questions as well. Um, she's making eye contact and she seems a little bit more confident. Those are really, really important. So the key, first of all, is she's engaging you and she's curious about you, which is kind of a cue that she's comfortable talking about you and you can start being more open. It's one of the cues, yeah. Okay. And then also her body language is more relaxed. She's more confident. You mentioned the word verbose before. Verbose, yeah. So. Yeah. So talking, um, you'll notice that with bad tension, there will be times where the girl just kind of looks away mm -hmm. and then is just silent. And that doesn't usually happen when girls are, you know, comfortable. Because she's focused on you and she's comfortable and she's yeah. like truly with you then. She's present. Yeah, exactly. So the way that it sort of progresses on from there is you've gotten rid of that bad tension. Then you go from, you know, that light deep diving banter into deep, deep diving. And you, you really focus hard on connecting. Gotcha. Yeah. And you might use that for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then that's when you would go back up into the air. Um, mm -hmm. You release that, you know, 
connecting tension or whatever that is, make it light, and then put in like a strong sexual frame somewhere in there. And that sort of cycle repeats, deep diving back up for light and sexual frame, deep diving, and that continues, so on and so forth. Right. Really seem to modulate the different kinds of tension you build up, like perhaps making a distinction between when you're deep diving and when you're actually just being playful and, you know, you throw in like a light sexual joke here and then go back to deep diving, right? Yeah. Introducing different kinds of energy at the same time and giving the full range of emotions and experiences during the date. Totally, totally. It's a balance. Have you noticed that guys try to overuse one or the other? Maybe even specifically overusing the sexual dial on their dates and what that looks like. Yeah, yes, totally, totally. So, you know, I think the most common misconception, like I told you before, is that guys don't think that they're building enough sexual tension. And I think they see it as sort of, there's no ceiling on it. The more, the better. And to a certain extent, that's true. You want a lot of tension, but... If you only use sexual tension on a date and you're not keeping track of making sure she feels connected to you Mm -hmm. and on a personal level, your consistency will remain low in terms of the amount of girls that you're sleeping with from your dates. I guess in that way, you're only focusing on building up a player vibe in some way and that's not going to lend to as many dates or relationships or even sexual things as if you were to have a holistic approach and showing her your full side. Yeah, like I said, it's a balance. Interesting. And how does that look in terms of deliveries, you know, like delivering the sexual frame? What are different ways of modulating that and delivering humor or creating attention? Totally, totally. So I sort of see like two different ways of delivering a sexual frame. And they have to do with how intense they are. Um, The first one is you know, labeled as such. It's it's an intensive sexual frame. And it's the one that I think Chase usually refers to when he says sexual frame. So the way that it normally goes, if there's like a step-by-step process, the girl said something. um, She said something like, and that meal was so big, I just couldn't finish it last night. Mm -hmm. Right. And you look at her and you're like, what would be a good one to use for that? You're like, oh, but, and then there's a pause there and he's like, but I thought you loved it big. And it sounds really cheesy as I say it now, but there's a pause after that and the girl releases that pause by giggling. With the other one, it's really simple. You say the same thing, but there's no intense eye contact, there's no pause, and you just move on through the conversation. So she's like, oh, I thought that meal was too big for me last night. And you're like, oh, but I thought you liked it big, ha ha ha. So anyways, what were you doing last night? So it's more of like a rib jabbing sort of thing. And the key difference between that is one of them will open escalation windows. The intensive sexual frame is really good at making, I mean, truthfully, just making her really horny because that's what so it is. So you get effects of her basically swooning for you. She's into it. Yes. And it takes can, that like, good, see it in her face. Yeah. And it takes that good sexual tension. It just drives it through the roof. And like I had said before, you only need to do that a few times in the interaction. Sort of going back to what we were saying with not overusing the sexual dial, you might only need to use the sexual frame, intense sexual frame, three or four times on a date. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time you can spend connecting. But it's really those key four, three or four times that you can balance the difference between her seeing you as a sexual versus non-sexual man on that date. Totally. Yeah. The other one that I said, and I don't know if I'd given a name, but I call it an offhand sexual remark. The one where you just 
like, you know, rib-jabbing one. Um, that one's good as well, but it has a different use. And that one has to do with giving your intention without coming across overly powerful. And that has to do with, like, if you're doing a street stop mm-hmm. and you want to communicate sexual intent, you're not going to be like, oh, but... I thought you loved it big because that's just going to be too much for the street. And then you're just like making it awkward and using it at totally the wrong time. (laughs) Totally the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So on that one, you might use that really offhand sexual remark and it communicates that you have sexual intent, but it does so in a way that isn't quite as intense. Right. And I guess you also like move on quickly so that she doesn't really have an opportunity to respond sometimes. Exactly. I always change the subject after. Yeah, so you like you deliver it, the meaning sets into her, and it's it's more like a, she it's something that she thinks about. Like, is he, did I really just hear what he just said? And then you move on to something else. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Do you have like a really strong guide on when not to use different ones, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, is there, are there like cues where you're like, I just won't, I, this is not the right time, I need to focus on building your comfort level, or, you know, we're focusing on some other part of the interaction between you two? Totally. Yeah. So, um, if we go back to sort of that day template that I was using before, you know, where you meet her, you clear the bad tension, then there's light banter, a light deep diving and banter. Then you go into the deep diving, right? That one you can use an intense sexual frame because there's comfort. But if you use intense sexual frames without comfort, you're going to just drive up the uncomfortableness. Interesting. And so I'd say if the vibe is comfortable, Use intense sexual frames. The reason you don't use it on an approach is because if we break down a street approach to its most component level, what it is, it's comfort building. Right. Of course, because you're a stranger and she has no idea who you are. But exactly. Exactly. You two as a possible romantic connection. Yeah. So the actual effect that deep diving has in that moment isn't that huge. It's all about, you know, you want to lightly connect, but, you know, you want to keep that quite simple and in that one because there's not a whole lot of comfort built use an offhand sexual remark okay and then you just quickly move past that and exactly. focus on the rest of the conversation so then it's more like a huh interesting yeah yeah I'm sure you've also in your experience noticed sometimes where it just doesn't go at all the way you tell it to or you know women might get offended by what you say like how do you <laughs> kind of brush that off and keep going yeah well it takes calibration right like you go through a phase where it just doesn't work. Your sexual frames are just... The dots don't connect between your joke and her brain. And <laughs> it's totally cool. You just need to do that a few times. Even if you're rusty. So I took a break for a couple months. And when I came back and tried to use my sexual frames, it was just terrible. And no girl understood really what I was saying. And it takes a moment for that wit. Yeah. And so are there cues that you can like guide the listeners to, you know, what the difference is between frames that work and frames that don't? And how do you calibrate your delivery so that she actually gets a kick out of it and it's like serves you? Innuendos always work really, really well. So if you take a word that she says and then if you put in that pause and you give her a sort of like like sexy look, mm-hmm. like she gets what you're saying. Her brain's like because of cultural pre-programming she's looking for what you're going to say to be dirty mm-hmm. interesting yeah. so innuendos are always really good if you have like the vibe also the look go, go with it you know she'll kind of play along i think she'll realize what you're doing yeah that's awesome 
what else can you tell us? In terms of when you don't want to use a sexual frame, you don't want to do it while you're connecting. And I, that might be a stylistic thing. But for myself, I feel like my connections are always more genuine when I'm focused on connecting. And my sexual frames are always more sexual when it's just sexual. Interesting. You split the emotions then. You focus yeah. you know, part of the emotion when you're deep diving about the deep diving. And then you, you know, when you're just bantering and having fun, then you focus on building the sexual vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I know also with a lot of these things, it's such a big learning curve that there are times where we as men will just keep stumbling and failing over and over and over again. It seems like you went through that for a few months. How did you like, you know, push past it? Well, basically it sort of went like this. Like, you mean in terms of having the grit to just keep going? Okay. Is that what you meant? Yeah, like the willpower. You know, because a lot of times, like, we'll be on the sticking point, especially sexual tension, you know, in, in an era where you're kind of not supposed to be sexual in public, you're like, you know, you're not supposed to talk about that. It's kind of like a taboo thing. Yeah. And then, you know, we're here on Girls' Chase being like, go and fucking talk to the girl about sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you manage, like, learning that and, and you know, kind of, like, being comfortable with it? Yeah. In terms of, like becoming comfortable with sexual tension and and sex in general yeah i have a friend who's going through that right now and it's basically just about proving your internal beliefs wrong right it's one of those things like approach anxiety it's done after you take action on it after you've approached several girls then you don't feel as nervous and the other thing as well is and this is what i told my friend is you know especially if you're feeling uncomfortable with sexual tension and you're feeling uncomfortable with with pulling and stuff like that is you just need to I would just go to the club and try and pull like four times that night with girls who are somewhat interested they don't even have to be that interested but just asking just doing that always helps so sometimes it's a matter of just like you know even inviting her home at the end yeah. of the night, no matter what else happens you just kind of focus on that and you get past it and I think it's a lot easier than a lot of guys have it in their mind you know because a lot of guys have only been with if we're just looking at statistical averages, three or four different women at any point in their life, you know, they don't have that experience to be like, yeah, women are open to coming to my place tonight. And, you know, it's just once you just start asking, you find that it's really quite easier than you thought. Yeah. Especially if you're playing sexual tension really, really well. And this probably goes also into not just inviting her home, but things like, you know, kissing her in public or kissing her early in the date. Like, you you started talking to me and some other board members about methods or, you know, that you've noticed in your seductions that she starts kissing you first now. And that's something that you've been striving for, right? Yeah, yeah. So that one's been a recent development of mine in the last four or five months. Wow. And basically, that one I really, really like. So I want to really talk about that one. I think there's really three key things in terms of, of having her kiss you first. And it's fundamentals, obviously. It's sexual tension. Mm-hmm. So specifically, like the way that we talked about, clearing uncomfortable tension, spiking sexual tension at specific moments, right? And the last one is is the way that you flirt in terms of having your face close to hers, as if you're about to kiss her. And you do that when you're doing your sexual frame. That's what I do, is I'll have my face close to theirs, and then and I'll say my sexual frame, and then I'll pull back after, and then I change the subject. So those three things. And I think the main benefit of having a girl kiss you first is obviously that she's initiating physical intimacy. And then also you're kind of the in the power play in the seduction. You're also the one up 
right? Exactly. She kind of wants you more than you want her, and then that's more attractive because you're the desirable but somewhat attainable guy. <laughs> exactly, and it's a really, really good mix of attainability and, I guess, investment. Wow, very cool. Has this, like, backfired sometimes? I mean, like, I know some girls really like it when the guy makes all the moves and the guy is strong. Have you seen that or experienced other ways? Yeah, that's interesting because that doesn't really happen to me. Uh, I'll break it down like this. I have about 12 girls I've done this with. I'd say about six or seven of them kissed me first. So it works about half the time. Wow. The other four or five said that they really wanted to kiss me, like after we had sex and we were talking about this, said that they really wanted to kiss me. And then they didn't because of whatever reason, they weren't sure that there was going to be intimacy at the time. And then the other one or two, just it didn't happen and whatever. C'est la vie. Okay. It's kind of like, <laughs> let that one go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it is. Do you like react in a certain way also when, you know, she kisses you? Like all of a sudden, are you like shocked or surprised? How could you be doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once you see that she's about to initiate the kiss first, really what you want to do is is help her with it, right? You want to lean in when she's leaning in, and then you want to make the kiss really, really sensual. So that would be things like, you know, lightly biting her lip, or it would be things like your hand running through her hair. Interesting. So you're kind of re rewarding her investment in you in the kiss and the risk that she's taking by like giving the same back to her and building attention even more. Definitely. It's an attainability move for sure. And the other thing as well is you're driving up the sexual tension even more. So you're taking basically the desire that she had for you and then compounding on it by making this thing like something that she can't have yet. Right. And so then you're kind of <laughs> putting a price in the way of her kissing you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because generally the way that it works is maybe I forgot to explain this is Usually the girl will kiss me when we're not in the seduction location. She'll kiss me while I'm pulling her home. Okay. Or she'll kiss me while we're in between the two bars. Wow. So, like, a lot sooner than maybe you'd planned for if she's doing it before you've moved her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess, like, you know, in terms of tension, you're, it's not too much, not too little for you, and that's really working out. And next, so how do you actually pace your pulls so that they're, you know, both not too fast and not too slow, since we're, like, you know, talking about that stage in the seduction now? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I guess you could say that this podcast is about reducing LMR at the end of the day. If you're using sexual tension right, then she's not just comfortable. She's also sexually aroused. Mm -hmm. um, the other part has to do with in terms of the speed of your pull. And... I think one of the classic mantras, as you know, is in Girls Chase is move as fast as you can possibly right. can. And this is true. And you have to start polarizing in order to start learning right. that, right? You have to start pulling way too early. You have to pull at signs that are not actually signs. Right. You have to try all of that. Make mistakes, right? So, you know, like you learn from your mistakes, mistakes and you do it by doing too much and then too little. Exactly. And that's how you calibrate. Okay. When guys go into the intermediate phase of their seduction learning curve... That's when they need to start pacing their pulls right. That's what's going to get you more consistent because at the end of the day, it can be more comfort and it can be more connection. It can be more sexual tension. And those are all three things that you need at the right levels in order for no resistance at the end of the day, right? 
So one of the things that I started doing was instead of just meeting the girl at it's in a lo- local amusement park, instead of just meeting her there and then going to the bar and then going to my home, it's now meet her at the park, go to bar one, then go to bar two, then pull home. And and I've noticed that girls are much more ready by the time we get to my place. Interesting. So you've kind of stretched out your dates a little bit, but you in the doing so, you also build up her comfort with you and you use that as opportunities to introduce more sexual tension at the right times. Exactly. And this just has to do with things the way that they normally play out, but there have been girls where I've met and they've wanted me to pull in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, you need to have gone through that polarization phase where you pull too soon to know when that is. Because even with the day template that I have now, there's still going to be girls that need to be pulled in 10 minutes. Right. And you always need to be ready to pull the trigger. But now you're actually just looking out for the signs and you know what to look for. <laughs> so that, you know. I'm looking for escalation mm-hmm. windows. And how do those show up? Just like, you know, when the tension stops or when you feel like there's a change in the air, there's like an awkward pause? Yeah, it generally actually happens after the fourth sexual frame. So, you know, like we had talked about before in going through that cycle, deep dive, sexual frame, deep dive, sexual frame, deep dive, sexual frame. On that last sexual frame, there's a lot of tension there now. And it's sort of like how a car moves up in gears. It's like, you know. And the tension has been building up that whole time. So by the time that fourth frame has been set, they're generally ready to be pulled. Okay, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you very much, Nick. It was awesome to have you on the podcast. And once again, this is Nick, uh, whose handle on the board is pretty decent. And he is one of the members who has gone from basically having no success at all or no experience with women to having crazy amounts of experience and just success today. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks, Varun. Awesome. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Girls Chase podcast in about a month's time. Until then, I'm Varun Raja, signing out. Thank you.